Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Good evening and welcome to Channel 127. It's so good to be with you. What a great show tonight. We're going to have author Jeff Gwynn join us, who has written a new book about the catastrophe, the disaster that happened at Waco uh, with the Branch Davidian cult under David Koresh 30 years ago. And it is a book that really sets the record straight on all the facts. That's a that's a story that a lot of conjecture built up over the years. This is the story that tells you the full thing from all the agents who've spoken since then. Janet Reno is not the villain in this story, but it's a book that proves that the FBI lied about some minor details. And because of that, it led to decades of conspiracy theories and no one believing anything the FBI said. Totally fascinating. Also, comedian Rhonda Hansom joins us in hour two. We're so glad to have you with us. And um, Chris Hauselt is our executive producer running this thing from South Carolina. Thea Harper running this thing from Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. Thanks to everybody for all the great calls last week. It was fun to go do the show back in L.A. for a bit, but it's very good to be home. And thank you all for your very kind comments about our show and our coverage of uh, the cops in the Tyree Nichols case. That case will, of course, continue to evolve. That story will continue to evolve. I will continue to scream at people who claim it can't be racist if all five cops were black. I'm not going to go into it again. We did it the other night. You can go listen on demand or on the podcast uh, or or on the app and and hear it. But, um, oh, they finally got around to arresting the two white cops this week. Yeah, actually removing them from their job. They haven't been arrested yet. So let's get to it. And guys, we got to talk. Let's do a show. First off, salute to Megyn Kelly. You know, Megyn Kelly, who, of course, told us all that Santa was white and that Jesus was white. Megyn Kelly, who consistently calls black people thugs and consistently calls brown people illegals. I've just never heard her call a white criminal either of those words in my life, and I've watched her quite a bit. And I don't want to be too harsh about Megan Kelly. She has a show here at SiriusXM. She's a fine broadcaster. I would love to be her secret Santa at the holiday party. I don't have to tell you why she lost her last daytime show at NBC. It was racism. Uh, so she... <laughs> Look, I I get it, right? You can't defend Trump. You can't defend your party. If you're in the Republican media conglomerate at this point, you can't come out and fight for policies that will help non-millionaires. Can you name one they do fight for? 
No, you've got to do umbrage. You've got to give outrage gasms everywhere you can. So Megan tweeted over the weekend, announcers for this Eagles 49ers game just spotted the first lady in a box and of course call her Dr. Jill Biden. Wonder if she realizes what a wannabe she looks like insisting on this fake title. Get a real MD or just work on your self-esteem. It's pretty great, huh? It's great for many reasons. Number one, I, I assume Megyn Kelly would direct that kind of scorn and disgust to uh, Dr. Martin Luther King or anyone who achieves the level of doctorate that isn't a medical doctor. But the, the funniest part about it is um, Megyn Kelly's dad is a doctor of education, Dr. Edward Kelly, Ph.D., the exact same earned degree as the woman she's scorning. Fortunately, the people in Megyn Kelly's audience won't be angry at the hypocrisy and might not even be able to spell it. I just want to say Jill Biden earned the title doctor, just like Megyn Kelly spent years earning the title racist. But l look, let's let's expect a lot more outrages of the day from the GOP establishment, my friends. They're going to try to find as many distractions as possible from having to defend Donald Trump. They will never trash Donald Trump. Very few of them will. A couple are here and there, and half of them are running for president. But by and large, the Republican mouthpieces in the Congress and their masters at Fox News, they're going to try to be walking a Trump line for the next year, not saying anything bad about him, not saying anything good about him, which means Hunter Biden's laptop, they're coming for your gas stove, and trans children are competing in sports, and that's the scariest shit that's ever happened. They know Donald Trump is not electable in 2024, and they know they are stuck with him, or they may be stuck with him. New poll out the other day shows uh, Donald Trump with more support than quite a few of the next closest possible 2024 Republican primary opponents combined, including Ron DeSantis. This is the new Harvard Caps Harris poll of Republican voters. The Hill did this today. 48%, 48% of Republicans who responded said Trump is their first choice. That is more than Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Marco Rubio, Nikki Haley, and Ted Cruz combined. Donald Trump is more popular than all those Republicans combined. That's 20% more than Ron DeSantis, who has 28%. Trump has 48%. Trump also had a 10-point lead over DeSantis in a hypothetical head-to-head -head primary match. Mark Penn, who knows a thing or two about getting Republicans elected, he told The Hill that even though Trump's ahead, the ceiling is limited. Because, and Mark Penn is right, Trump already has every vote he can get. And think about that. I mean, if everyone who shows up to vote against Trump is the same people who showed up to vote against him last time, he's given up trying to broaden his appeal. Although, it's different in New Hampshire. And here's why the Republican establishment is on edge. Because they know there are cracks in Donald Trump's kingdom of bullshit. And over there in the Granite State, uh, New Hampshire Republican voters prefer DeSantis over Trump by 12 points in a brand new poll. 42% to 30%. It's a margin of error of three points. But this is bad news for Donald Trump. It, and by the way, in June of 2022, 57% of likely New Hampshire voters said they thought Trump should run. In the latest poll, it's down to 46%. DeSantis has 73% favorability. In this survey, Trump has 47% favorability. And earlier this month, YouGov did a poll for The Economist where they asked how people viewed both Trump and DeSantis. Here's what's amazing. Since we're going to have to watch our Republican friends fight over these two for the next year, please just get a good popcorn. Like, don't get anything too salty, not too much oil. Get something with flavor. You're going to want to have a lot of it. But among those who said they had voted for Trump in 2020, 
51% said they had a very favorable opinion of Trump. But among the same group, 64% said they had a very favorable view of DeSantis. So you understand people who voted for Donald Trump in 2020, more of them have a favorable view of DeSantis than they do of Trump. And only 57% of those people said they wanted Trump to even run again next time. So what does that show? Well, it, well, here's the cult part. I mean, Trump still leads DeSantis with the group by 13 points, but it shows that DeSantis is also making inroads with Trump voters. He's not there yet in every poll, but DeSantis is more popular among Republicans and Trump is less popular than he was six months ago than a year ago. Chris Christie went on TV Sunday and said Trump can't win a general election. He said based on the polling before the 2020 election, the actual vote, and then the midterms, he said we could go through the entire list. Loser, 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 loser. Ticking off all the names of all the right-wing extremists that were backed by Trump. And that's what they're terrified of. They know that hardcore right-wing Trumpers can win primary elections and become GOP nominees. And they know that in so much of this country, that stuff will not get you elected in a general. Just ask Governor Carrie Lake. McKay Coppins has a new piece in The Atlantic about how some Republicans are praying that Donald Trump gets indicted or dies, like literally dies. Former Congressman Peter Mayer of Michigan, Republican, he called that actual arbitrage. <laughs> and it's fascinating that they're all trying to think of a way to get Trump out because they're terrified of him. They know he's unelectable, but they got to go on defending him. Listen to Congressman James Comer at the National Press Club. Listen to him trying to spin it and more or less saying that only by investigating the Joe Biden family can we stop the corruption of the Donald Trump family. What we have here with the investigation that's going to get the most press, obviously the Biden family influence peddling. And we have evidence that we've been transparent with, we'll continue to be transparent with as we start our hearings next week, where this family has taken in millions and millions of dollars what? from our adversaries mainly what? in China. And I think we need to determine what, you know, what was that money for? Who, who supplied that money? And, you know, that's the basis of the investigation. You know, th this is a problem, and it's, it's a problem that continues to get worse. If, if you listen to the liberals, Democrats, complain, partisan Democrats, they say, well, what about Jared Kushner and all that? I think there was a problem in the last administration with influence peddling. If we mm. don't do something about influence peddling, it's probably only going to get worse. Do you really think he's going to say, let's go investigate the last administration, though? Forbes reported last week that China paid Donald Trump at least five and a half million dollars while he was in office through getting a lease at Trump Tower. They gave him five million dollars. And Donald Trump also had um, a bank account in China while he was president. I mean, I mean, if a Democrat had done that. The Democrats would have impeached him before the Republicans could have impeached him. They're terrified. On Truth Social, his little psychotic megaphone to the hardcore base, he can't stop attacking DeSantis. And that's the serious sign that Donald Trump is losing it. He's been, he, he just tweeted, or I'm sorry, he just posted on Truth Social, Ron DeSanctimonious, and I'll admit, I like that name. I'm the only one who does. Ron DeSanctimonious, who I made governor in both the primary and the general, is also a globalist. And so are his donors. Jeb Low Energy Bush was next to him last week. Check past. Jeb Bush did attend Ron DeSantis' swearing in for his second term, which is the clearest sign yet of how the Republican establishment wants the 2024 nomination race to go. Donald Trump knows it and he's doing what the base wants. He's attacking Jeb Bush. So Trump began his campaign officially over the weekend. Did you hear about it? 
Did you did you hear? Did, did you, you didn't see the headlines? He began his first campaign swing. He left Mar-a-Lago for a few hours and it didn't exactly get a lot of airplay, did it? There were not a lot of uh, well-known elected officials in the state of New Hampshire in attendance. I mean, and think about all the huge rallies. You think back to Trump in 2016, 2020, you think these hockey stadiums, right? Well, you wouldn't have known it from watching, um, but this was done for the state party Republican meeting. This Trump address, it wasn't in a hockey arena. This was in a 400-seater high school auditorium. That's it. And Trump talked for an hour and went on and on and bragged about how he cracked down on illegal immigration and how he launched the Space Force. And like only about one third of the crowd loudly applauded when Trump was endorsed and introduced for his campaign. The biggest applause he got, 45 minutes into the speech, when Donald Trump introduced a brand new proposal he came up with to crack down on, guess what? Critical race theory in public school classrooms. That's how much it's changed, folks. Donald Trump is now borrowing his shtick from Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump is now borrowing his racism from Ron DeSantis. There is no critical race theory taught in public school classrooms. Um, It's all lies. And uh, anyone who says woke is a person who's not upset by racism. So, you know, he's wounded. He's bleeding. But the fact is, after losing 2018, after losing 2020, after losing 2022, after losing a lot of people who think that he can win it all, is he still powerful enough? to get what's left of the party of Lincoln to go ahead and vote for him. I think they're stuck with him. They're really stuck with him. And they're stuck with Trumpism as well. Here's House Speaker Kevin McCarthy over the weekend. He was uh, on CBS with Margaret Brennan. And she was asking about his desire to see these committees with all these election kooks. About some of the makeup uh, of your caucus. According to CBS records, 70% of the House GOP members denied the results of the 2020 election. You put many of them on very key committees, intelligence, homeland security, oversight. Why are you elevating people who are denying reality like that? Well, Mm. if you look to the Democrats, their ranking member Raskin had the same thing, denied Trump or Bush was in there. Benny Thompson, who was a- Did you see those numbers that we just put up there? 70%. Did you also be fair and equal where you looked at Raskin did the same thing. <laughs> Benny Thompson, who's a ranking member and was the chair. These individuals were chair of the Democratic I'm Party. I'm asking you as leader of but Kevin also, McCarthy's I'm also, House I'm also, why you made these choices. These were your choices. Yeah, they're my choices, but they're the conference choices. But I'm also asking you, when you look to see just Republicans, Democrats have done the same thing. So maybe it's not denying. Maybe it's the only opportunity they have to have a question about what go- went on during the election. So if you want to hold Republicans to that equation, why don't you also hold Democrats? Why don't you hold Jamie Raskin? Why don't you hold Benny Thompson when Democrats had appointed them to be chair? Uh-huh. I never once heard you ask Nancy Pelosi or any Democrat that question when they were in power in the majority when they question you're talking about things going back to 2000 which was a time well, you're when talking about i didn't the, have this show back then which yeah. is why i'm asking you no, now no, about but your they were they were, in, they were in power last congress so why why but you're talking about questions well, from 2000 but, but you're election. asking me about questions about that happened to another you just congress. made you're, you're actually about made. questions for another congress so the only thing i'm this simply talking these these are members who just got elected by their constituents and we put them into committees and i'm proud to do it That's as good as it gets for him. Now, on top of all of this, right, he's having to clean up all the mess of Trump. He's having to put all the Marjorie Taylor Greens, all the Trump loyalists on all the committees, keeping Trump in the game. And Kevin McCarthy hates Trump. But now, today, uh, who would have thought 
two people that we'd written off a long time ago forever standing up and doing the right thing would suddenly, better late than never, whip into action. One's uh, New York City DA Alvin Bragg. The other, well, his name is Chuck Todd. And now today, the Manhattan DA's office began presenting evidence to a grand jury about Trump's role in, did you hear? Paying hush money to adult film star Stormy Daniels during his 2016 presidential campaign. Paying her $127,000 to lie about their relationship. In other words, he was spending money to help influence an election, and he didn't report the expense. That's called campaign finance fraud, and it's illegal. The grand jury was recently put together, and the witness testimony has begun. David Pecker, the former publisher of the National Enquirer, the paper that helped hook up the whole deal with Stormy Daniels, was seen testifying today. Now, this is great, because I'm a big fan of the Stormy Daniels era. we got to bring back a very simple question that you can ask to your loved ones. Ask your pro-Trump Christian co-workers or family or friends or that douchebag you went to high school with and you're still friends with on Facebook and you don't know why. Which do you believe? Did Trump sleep with Stormy Daniels and then pay her 130000 to be quiet? Or did he never sleep with her and pay her $130,000 to be quiet? What do you think Trump's official position is? Can I tell you if you don't remember? Donald Trump's official position is, uh, first he said he never paid her. Michael Cohen paid her. We then found out that Trump paid her because his name is on the check. He signed it. But then Trump actually took the money and wrote it off on his taxes and said he didn't pay her. He didn't sleep with her. So Donald Trump's official contention is he never slept with her and he paid her money to say they never slept together. You have to believe that if you're going to believe Donald Trump on this. And again, they don't care about Stormy Daniels because they don't care about a guy who can't stop lying to them. That's the Republican base. They have been groomed to be indifferent to hypocrisy and corruption and racism and lies. The prosecutors have begun contacting people from Donald Trump's 2016 campaign, which means they want to corroborate a lot of witness accounts. I think Alvin Bragg is someone who really reads the reviews on Yelp and knows what people think of him, because remember, for a while, they were going to go after Donald Trump for his real estate holdings. And now only the New York State Attorney General is doing that. So again, you're probably thinking, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. They're doing this now? They're doing this now. If, if I had done what Donald Trump did, paying off the porn star, I, I would have gone to jail years ago. And you're right. You would have. This is wealth privilege. This is power privilege. But every single law Donald Trump broke should be brought to world attention. Every law he broke should have a spotlight shown on it to just say, well, that was too long ago. Guys, that's just letting him get away with it. No, prosecute him for everything. Michael Cohen pled guilty years ago about this very case, and Trump's been out of office for two years. Yes, this should have been presented 18 months, two years ago. Cohen did what Trump wanted. Trump urged him. Trump instructed him. This could have been a slam dunk for years. And they're focusing now on the hush money. So, again, this we thought it was a dead end. This is like a movie that suddenly got a sequel. This is like Tron. Maybe, maybe maybe it's more entertaining. And that's not the only investigation. Don't forget, in Georgia, D.A. Fonnie Willis could bring election-related charges for 2020 sooner than the feds might. Remember, when she was talking last week, she said uh, she referred to future defendants, which a lot of people thought meant uh, that means Donald Trump. Either way, either way, Donald Trump is playing catch-up to Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump is scared. He's talking about critical race theory in schools. He's literally ripping off the material of his own wannabes. 
And that's why I want to leave you with this little clip of Chuck Todd. I know, I know, no, don't play Chuck Todd, but no, 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 I, I want to surprise you. Are you ready? Chuck Todd showed up with receipts. Chuck Todd had Jim Jordan on. And, um, well, I want to show you what it's like when Chuck Todd actually asks a follow-up question. Because the joke I've always told is you shouldn't commit adultery, but if you ever do, do it with Chuck Todd's wife. You don't ask too many questions. Give a good listen to this, though, and I will give my respect to Chuck Todd. This was went viral yesterday and deserved it. This is what has to be done by media in a free society with these liars and fascists. Ask the follow-up questions, especially when it comes to the differences between Biden and Trump and their documents. About a raid, but you keep talking about this raid on Donald Trump. The amount of time, there was nine months between the initial action that the archives made for a request of documents before they even turned it over to the Justice Department. The subpoena was issued 60 days before they actually executed the subpoena. And more importantly, the only time the public found out about it is because Donald Trump told the public about it. This was not some sort of, the, you painted as a picture of the FBI did this, this, and this within hours of each other when it was actually a year and a half of Donald Trump See, not complying you... with any of the requests from National Archives. A year and a half. This is not some sort of uh, proof that <laughs> somehow that they've Trump. weaponized and playing politics over here. They raided, they raided Trump's home. They haven't raided Biden's home. Because <laughs> Biden didn't defy a subpoena, Congressman. He defied a subpoena. By the way, he had 60 days they to comply with Trump's... the subpoena before they actually executed President the Trump had documents locked in a room with Secret Service protecting them. Uh, President Biden had documents in his garage and in a think tank that was funded by the Chinese. I think there's a difference. President Trump was the only guy who was actually right. president. The, I mean, you talk about that. You're worried about the Chinese and, and, and Hunter no, Biden. I'm just saying, are you worried about the Chinese and Donald they Trump? They took pictures. They took pictures of. Are you at all worried about that? No, look at this. I, I'm not. But Get they, him, they took Todd. pictures of of the documents at Trump's house. They took no pictures of documents. In fact, it's not just me who would like to know what went on here. Senator Warner said it last I, week. He would like to get a briefing. He wants to see the documents. No and guess what? The FBI the issue, is saying, no, but they took pictures but the issue of the folders is not whether, in Trump's home. The issue is not whether Joe Bi what Joe Biden did. No, uh, the, issue is, the issue is equal why treatment is it, under the law. That's the issue. No, the equal issue is treatment you do under the not law. seem to ever see the same conspiratorial mm -hmm. problems when it's a Republican. Boom, boom, Chuck Todd dropping the truth bombs. I didn't see it coming either, folks. In conclusion, Donald Trump fans, if you're listening, remember, if you're going to go on and keep supporting this guy for 2024... You have to agree to believe a few things, and you should write these down to try on your Trump-supporting friends. You have, to, you have to believe that Donald Trump never had an affair with Stormy Daniels, because he says he didn't. You have to acknowledge that he paid her six figures to be quiet about this affair he never had with her. You have to be in a place where you don't mind that he lied to you about the payments. You have to believe that he pays women to be quiet about affairs that never happened. That's what you believe. And you have to believe that all the people warning you about Donald Trump are liars because we know how much you hate those that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes talk about starting the morning right just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to SiriusXM. Channel 127, I'm John Fugel saying, it's hard to believe that it's almost 30 years. February will mark 30 years since the disastrous siege of the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas. And now, for the first time in those three decades, more than a dozen former ATF agents who were part of the initial disastrous raid on February 28th are speaking on the record about what specific poor decisions made by their commanders led to grotesquely avoidable death and destruction. Jeff Gwynn is the best-selling author of a lot of books about uh, charismatic men who have an uh, ability to control groups of people, uh, including Manson, The Road to Jonestown, War on the Border, and now, of course, Waco. He lives in Fort Worth, Texas. And his new book, man, it is so compulsively readable. It is fascinating. And for someone like me who thought they knew the whole story, it is completely eye-opening. The book is called Waco, David Koresh, The Branch Davidians, and A Legacy of Rage. It is a pleasure to welcome Jeff Gwynn to SiriusXM. Hello, sir. Hi, thank you for having me on your program. Thank you so much. I, I want to praise you for this book. I find it to be so gripping. I, I have to ask the most obvious of questions first, which is, why why this subject? What was it that made you decide to commit a good chunk of your life and research abilities to the David Koresh saga? Well, after the uh, attack on the U.S. Capitol January 2021, some of the folks who led that raid were militia members who started their sort of anti-government movements right after Waco. So when you're talking about something that's still so controversial 30 years later, it's coloring what's happening in our nation today. I felt it was time to take a look back at Waco. If we want to understand what's happening now, why can't we understand what was really ground zero for a lot of Mm -hmm. today's events? And in doing that, uh, I've never written a book. This is my 25th, but I've never written one where I found more new information that absolutely astonished me as a writer. I have to agree. As a reader and as someone who, as a young person, paid such close attention to this case, we only had the media's version of events at the time. And as you well know, uh, the story was rather quickly forgotten. Many people just blamed Janet Reno and moved on with their day. But uh, over the winter and spring 30 years ago, more than 80 people, including four federal agents and uh, over 20 kids, were killed in these two different violent confrontations. And your book doesn't just go into how preventable it all was and the mistakes and lies told by law enforcement, but also, yeah, you you link it to everything we are grappling with right now. I mean, both Alex Jones and Timothy McVeigh make appearances in this book. They do. In fact, uh, one of the photos in the book is of a young Timothy McVeigh sitting on the hood of his pickup truck selling anti-governor government bumper stickers outside Mount Carmel in Waco. And when he blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City, two years to the day after the final fire at Mount Carmel, he said after being captured that it was in retaliation for Waco. So what kind of things had to happen that would 
drive people to do such violent things? And how in the hell did everything get so messed up in Waco when obviously the tragedy didn't have to happen? So it's a very frustrating thing to research and I'm sure frustrating to read about too. I'm curious about what you learned about Koresh himself. There was a lot of jokes at the time about a failed musician who became a cult leader, but the the amount of charisma it must take to be able to persuade this many people to live off the grid with you to eventually have men turn over their wives and daughters to you for their pleasure to eventually have people willing to lay down their lives and take the lives of others in the name of a version of Christianity this man invented. I mean, he, he had to have some incredible skills to hold such power over so many people. There were two things that struck me about David Koresh that I had not expected. First was that most of the Branch Davidians in Mount Carmel, many who died along with Koresh, were very intelligent, capable people. One was uh, a lawyer who'd graduated from Harvard, for instance. And these people came not just from Texas. People tend to believe everybody in Mount Carmel was was a Texan. Uh, They came from Australia, Mm -hmm. Britain, Jamaica, uh, quite a few from Hawaii, they came because they were seekers. They took the Bible literally, and David Koresh had the gift of persuading perceptive people who knew the Bible very well, yet he was able to convince them that he was a prophet sent by God who could reinterpret some of the Bible And these things that supposedly were describing events thousands of years ago, in fact, according to Koresh, were really signposts for what was going to happen today. Mm -hmm. That he could get these capable people, keep them in almost unlivable conditions, and convince them that their greatest privilege and honor bestowed by God was that they could die with him to bring about the end of days, talked about, written about in Revelation in the Bible. That's right. And then return with him to essentially defeat Babylon and and help incorporate a new kingdom of God. It sounds so impossible. And yet, I have listened, I guess, to about 40 hours of David Koresh preaching on tape. And I went into this book convinced he was probably a charlatan, certainly a demagogue, along the lines of Manson, Jim Jones. And then as he kept preaching, I kept thinking, wait a minute, that sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. And I'd look in the Bible, the passages he cited, and start thinking, you know, it's possible it could mean what he said. He absolutely had the gift of being convincing. Right. Which, of course, is the gift that any demagogue needs to be successful. In, indeed, but he was. Let's let's you know also be clear. He was not uh, a Christian who focused on the teachings of Jesus whatsoever. He was all about revelation. He was all about Armageddon, and he was not about nonviolence. He was all about convincing his followers that federal agents were the soldiers of Babylon, and that it was part of God's will that they be slaughtered and. Everyone remembers the morning of February 28th, um, uh, or the afternoon, rather, February 28th, 1993, when 76 agents came to the compound. They had heard reports that children were being abused and they were stockpiling weapons. 
what I got from your book that blew me away was um, maybe the greatest tragedy of this entire disaster was that these agents had no idea what the Branch Davidians really believed. They came in there thinking that they were just going to meet some very superficial spiritual cult people. They didn't realize what they were walking into or how committed the Branch Davidians were to a potentially violent end. The agents who participated in the raid that day, and I've talked now to over 20 of them, and they're all on the record in the book. This is all firsthand. It's not secondhand or somebody unnamed source said this. But they all agree on these things. First, that they were never given any information about the Branch Davidians beyond the fact that there were these gullible religious fanatics who were following some charlatan that they were stockpiling illegal weapons, and it was very likely that they planned to either kill all themselves in a sort of repeat of Jonestown from some years before, or that they would come spilling out of Mount Carmel to slaughter civilians in in some kind of religion-induced rage. The agents had no idea that their plan that they were given by their superiors to conduct what they called a dynamic entry into Mount Carmel, Mm -hmm. rush in, overwhelm whoever was inside, arrest David Koresh and anybody else, and take away the automatic weapons they had there, which, by the way, constituted the breaking of the law. They had never registered those weapons. They had never paid the appropriate taxes, Mm -hmm. and they had hundreds of these guns. But they were never told... Because ATF never bothered to learn, the people who planned the raid didn't care about this, that these people wanted a raid. They wanted some kind of attack. And if there was one, that would make these people feel that it was confirmed David Koresh had been telling them the truth all along. If only someone at ATF, one of the planners, had said, you know, wait a minute, Let's just take a couple days and study these folks. Koresh never made any secret of what he believed or was preaching. People in Waco knew all about it. If they'd done that, if they'd only avoided that attack, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation today. But you you also point out that was the linchpin. Well, but one of the things you point out in the book that really caught me by surprise, if only they had studied this a bit more, they would have known that Koresh left the compound to go into town. They could have just picked him up in his car. The ATF agents in what they called an undercover house across the road from Mount Carmel Mm -hmm. were supposed to be filming Koresh and the Davidians 24-7 to get an idea about their movements. And these agents couldn't even figure out how to run the video equipment. I mean, this, it would almost be slapstick if it weren't so tragic. But the whole idea of the 76 agents on the fateful day was we're going to be able to get in there because we were promised we would take them by surprise. If the element of surprise was lost, we'd call everything off. Yes, they have automatic weapons much more powerful than ours. But according to ATF sources, who were former Branch Davidians, but hadn't even Mm -hmm. been inside Mount Carmel for over a year. All the guns were locked away in a room. 
That's right. There'd be plenty of time to break in before they could get the guns out of that room. And oh. it wasn't true anymore. Now everybody had the guns handy. And they had the windows on all four so- sides of this building to shoot out at the agents. Yeah. And the agents were so sure this was a cakewalk that they not only had low caliber guns and a lot of them took the protective plates out of their vests because, of course, there wasn't going to be any shooting in the pockets of their vests. Many of them, rather than have spare clips of ammunition, had candy to pass out to the Branch Davidian kids. And they even had certificates for Happy Meals. Mm -hmm. Once they peacefully took over. Mount Carmel and arrested Koresh and got the guns, they were going to give the Branch Davidian kids a party. That hardly fits what's become the popular image of bloodthirsty ATF agents charging in, planning to shoot up everybody. That wasn't the case ever. It was ignorance rather than evil intent. Now, of course, three-hour gunfight, five Branch Davidians are killed, four federal agents are killed, and this began the legendary 51-day standoff where the FBI essentially took over from the ATF. But as you point out, right away, tactical experts were planning for a second raid that would that would rely on the CS gas. That's that's tear gas, right? Yes, it is. And the promise that the tactical team for the FBI made uh, eventually all the way up to Attorney General Janet Reno was that they're only going to insert the gas gradually over two days. In that form, it's an irritant, you know, make your eyes water and everything, but was guaranteed not to be combustible and not to have any permanent damage inflicted on the people who inhaled the gas. Of course, it didn't turn out that way because they poured in all the CS gas they had in the first couple hours and there were great flammable clouds of stuff floating through there. And how did they heat But their again, rooms? that wasn't part of any drawn out plot. I mean, there's no conspiracy here. Right. It's just people making wrong headed decisions. But when we talk about the C- dumping the, the CS in there as a dispersant, how did the Branch Davidians heat their rooms in the compound? And this was, again, something that the FBI didn't take into consideration. They'd cut off the electricity into the building. The only source of heat in a very cold, wet spring that the Branch Davidians had were using Coleman lanterns lit with oil. And with the combustible clouds of gas, you've got people panicking and running, trying to find a place where they can breathe. Sooner Mm -hmm. or later, these lanterns were going to go over, flames were going to spread. And Mount Carmel was a fire trap. It was made from old used wood there was you know no insulation there was very little water inside to be able to douse any flames it went up in minutes and the people inside were trapped only nine adults escaped and inside 76 more people including almost two dozen children burned to death the internal temperature reached over 3,000 degrees oh. and they and had mo- no chance and most importantly, what the, the 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 big thing, especially considering how so many have blamed Janet Reno casually over the decades, it was it was the FBI that lied, wasn't it? And that's what set off decades of conspiracy theories. The FBI lied and got caught after the conflagration, and wanting to blame it all on the Branch Davidians, 
they said that the Davidians must have started the fire, that they either wanted to commit group suicide or they simply wanted to do something defiant. Yeah. They also swore that they never used combustible containers to shoot in the gas. Now, most of it was not in those kind of containers. Only the first few rounds they fired were, and those didn't penetrate and bounced off the walls of Mount Carmel. The problem being, when the FBI got caught lying, people who were outraged at what had happened at Mount Carmel assumed, I think as a lot of people naturally would, what else are they lying about? Exactly. If they lied about that, they're probably lying about the fact they never intended for these people to die. The author is Jeff Gwynn. The book is Waco, David Koresh, The Branch Davidians, and A Legacy of Rage. Sir, I didn't get to half my questions about your book. Could we invite you back sometime, maybe when the paperback comes out? I'd love to go even deeper on the story and into how the cult grew and expanded as it did. I'd very much like to do that, and I appreciate your invitation to come back. What a great pleasure. We will track you down. Uh, Jeff Gwynn is the author. Again, the book is called Waco, David Koresh, The Branch of Idians, and A Legacy of Rage. Thank you so much for joining us. We will have you back. Um, it's an incredible story, and the anniversary is going to be upon us all spring. Thank you. We're going to take a very quick break, and when we return, we'll be taking your calls at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm John Fuelsang. We're at 866-997-4748, joined by comedian Rhonda Handsome. Taking your calls in a second, but Rhonda, I have to ask you, what is going on with your Facebook? Mine's been well, hacked for almost two years. Now you're you're in, in, in the woods with this. What's going on with your account? Well, I found out that it is so unfortunate that artificial intelligence has no appreciation for classic rhythm and blues, John. Really? Or uh, sarcasm. <laughs> or humor. And exactly. Um, my friend, uh, my humor writing pal, uh, Paul Lander, who who really, uh, really uh, admires you a lot. Uh, oh. I, I sometimes repost some of his things. And he wrote something which said, so Veeps, Biden and Pence had top secret documents at their homes. So who's brave enough to check Dick Cheney's place? And I thought that was kind of cute. Mm -hmm. And I reposted it to my story. But what did I do? I put musical notes and I wrote the first line from Junior Walker and the All Stars. Shotgun. Shotgun. Shoot him before he run now. 
with little musical notes, okay? And um, I, I, I got myself restricted. I got myself restricted. For quoting a 60-year-old R&B classic. Yes, I did. And and artificial intelligence is going to be controlling absolutely everything, John. And they have no sense of humor <laughs> and no appreciation for classic rhythm and blues. Terrifying. I got to say, you know, my whole life, Rhonda, I've just I've just tried to find an algorithm that understood me for me. <laughs> but I got to tell you, these social media AI algorithms, they 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 can't appreciate sarcasm and they really don't appreciate air quotes that's what i've learned they just don't get it don't don't get don't get it at all we're at 866-997-4748 are you okay now is your facebook turned back on well it's on but it's restricted with what i can do oh i see how i can handle it yeah oh i see i'd I'd get angry about that they're making you sit at the back of the facebook i'd be i'd be furious yes exactly exactly i'm at the back of the Facebook. (laughs) we are at 866-997-4748 we're gonna get to your calls uh 866-997-GRIT bill in new jersey good evening and welcome you're on with Rhonda handsome hello well hello hello how you doing very good good. how are you i'm awake um okay well and i'm doing my job as they say on the highway, stay awake, stay alive. Anyway. Yes. Um, well, that's why I try to be funny and amusing or, or enraging, trying to keep people awake. Uh-huh. Stay awake. Okay. Yes. This uh, whole thing with, oh, by the way, first of all, you're right about Facebook and algorithms. Everybody's starting to learn that corporations are nothing but algorithms, and they've eliminated uh, human morality or nuance or anything like that. Yeah. And... Because of that, you know, things are done. Decisions are made without considering human beings. And whether it's, you know, cutting their medication or whatever it is, or making a tenth of a dime off of, you know, starving somebody, it, right. it, does, it doesn't know any morality. It's a machine. Yeah, but I agree. Anyway, yeah, corporations are not people. They're algorithms. Anyway, I mean, corporations uh, are people that that don't have to pay taxes like the normal people and they get to own the Congress people and they never go to jail with the guilty people. So, yeah, they're sort of people, but they never have to pay the tax people either. Right. Well, in, you know, 1950 something or whatever it was, corporations paid 30 percent of all the uh, taxes in the United States. Oh, you mean back when we had a thriving middle class and the last Republican president, Eisenhower, to have a surplus in the budget? Yeah, I've read the legends. Right. (laughs) <laughs> now it's about 7%, and this whole thing, again, they're doing with the um, buybacks is insane. You know, one of the things I realized, my father said, when they made taxes on corporations high, they had to keep the money in the company. They okay. had to use it to improve conditions and pay employees more, because if they took the money out, it would cost so much in taxes, it wasn't wow. worth it. How mid-20th century of them. Right, right. And my father was successful, even with the 95 percent, uh, whatever it was. And uh, he, he he said it's patriotic. But anyway, uh, he was right. It is real, real patriotic billionaires. I mean, if you were a billionaire and a patriot, you'd be bragging about paying higher taxes like it was your dick size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and in those days, there weren't billionaires that I know of. And people usually just made fun of the rich and they were yeah. insignificant. Well, you know, it was. Like I don't know. I think it was still pretty popular back then to be rich, but go, go ahead. 
I don't know. My time, they were knocking down a lot of mansions and putting a lot of houses up. No one cared. Mm. But anyway, this whole thing with Tyree, it, it kills me because I'm a retired photographer, and he's definitely a photographer. And, yeah. you know, he seemed like a nice guy, and I would have loved to, you know, impart any knowledge I had with him. And, mm. uh, you know, um, it's, it hurts that way, too. Um, you know, you're speaking about his sensitivity uh, as an artist and his situation so reminds me of the unfortunate incident of Elijah McClain, who was a violinist and who was stopped Uh coming back from the store and and assaulted. I I mean, he's saying I'm a vegan. I wouldn't hurt a fly, you know, uh, trying to. And and you cannot make yourself human in these situations Mm. because you're not seen as human. You're right. Right. Well, what but that's I, but that's but that's I'm sorry, but that's that's very crucial. That's what fascism does. The whole point is to try to, and this is what white supremacy does. It, it, it you have to view other people as being less than human. We see this in how right wing media instructs people to refer to the Christian refugees at our southern border. They're always illegals. Illegals. I have never heard right wing people ever call a white mm-hmm. lawbreaker. And illegal. Right. And I began the show talking about Megyn Kelly. I have heard Megyn Kelly refer to black men as thugs so many times. I've never yeah. heard her refer to a Caucasian as a thug or an illegal. But uh-huh. this is what Trump does. It's what Hitler did with, you know, the infestation, the invasion at our border. They try to make them seem like locusts right. or insects that have to be exterminated. Mm-hmm. Once they can right. get you to not view uh-huh. people as people, then you'll forget mm-hmm. all the things your holy book teaches and right. turn the other way when the human mm-hmm. rights atrocities begin. Right. My suggestion is, as soon as the police step out of the car, their web, their cameras should go live to the precinct, and yeah. they should be live, and they should be able to communicate, you know, verbally yeah, I like that. Uh, through the through the two way device. And uh, I think they should go back. I don't, do they still have police boxes in New York? Police boxes? You mean the the call boxes on the street? Yeah. 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 Do they? Yes, they do. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I like your suggestion. You know, I, I've always said for years, like, why why do our cops have to have regular bullets? Why can't cops have rubber bullets? Well, for the same reason right. cops don't shoot somebody in the leg, because a surviving right. bullet victim can uh-huh. sue your precinct. So you got to kill him. But right. again, rubber bullets wouldn't have saved Tyree Nichols's life. I, I think more and more it's got to be end qualified immunity and let people sue precincts and the money comes out of the precinct's pension fund. I'm just going and- for their pension all the way. They, if all cops right. know that their pensions will be threatened if some cops are violent, you will see that thin blue line become very corrective. Well, they should also have police boxes with drones that pop out of them in different locations when there's something going on. So it, okay. they, they can be observed. Sure, if you want to go sci-fi on me, I'll, I'll, I'll great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they want to be observed. This is hap- This happened because police unions eventually caved on body cams, mm-hmm. and it happened because there's so many surveillance cameras everywhere. Right, right, right. Oh, and I, I know I started bringing it up before, but uh, about Joe Franklin, yeah. he had everybody on. He had John Kennedy. He had. Uh, um, You're calling at the right time, Rhonda. Do you remember Joe Franklin? Because because Bill I, was talking I, I to me about Joe Franklin show. last week. I, I, I did his show. I was me, I was please. on that show and that. Tell me the story. That, I was I never got to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I think I think I may have been on it with Joy Behar, or one of one of my my oh, uh, so. female cohorts. Yeah. But it was amazing. It, it was like it was like looking at at a, a, a an artifact. That he, I mean, he had records piled up all around and books yeah. all around, and yeah. it was yeah. just it. Uh-huh. It was just uh, it was it, it was truly a fantastic inside show business uh-huh. experience for me. <laughs> I, I, I really I really felt like I was in show business because I was talking right. to Beyond this. the Joe Franklin show is the pinnacle of the business. It was. Show. It, was. Well, it started in 1950. It's still the longest running talk show. But, really? Uh, when did it end yeah. in the 90s? I, right. Did Joe make it to the he made it through 90, the 90s? 90, yeah, it was from 1950 to 1994. Amazing. And uh, so, I never got I only uh, I didn't start doing stand up until then, but I, I used to watch him as a kid. Right. But he he had everybody on and uh, uh, Bette Midler and um, well, what's his name? Uh, uh, Barry Manilow. He mm-hmm. had as a house band. She was a singer and he played That's the right. piano. I knew that. And uh, yeah. And a lot of people got their start on his show. And but uh, he had Bing Crosby the Ramones, he had... Uh, yeah. I remember Kiss was on there, and uh, Saturday Night Live used to do a bit on with Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal playing yeah. Joe Franklin, yes. What, what, what? Joe Franklin's really been on your mind, Bill, hasn't he? Well, if you see the ones with Groucho Marx, it's the best. Okay. <laughs> I can't fight that. I, I, I can't fight that. I'm sure it is. I will, I will look those up. Well, he was friends, and he told jokes like... You told, like, uh, Groucho Marx jokes, but... Yeah, you should see some of the video clips. They're incredible. Okay, he had I've such a, a cherubic face. He had a cherubic right. face and yes. and and such right. a mild manner. And uh, he he was he was wonderful. He looked like he a was very like old a, baby. A, a warm cup of cocoa. You know? <laughs> right, right. Bill, thank you very much for the call. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for. Oh, oh, go ahead, please. Okay, I just wanted to say that uh, David Pecker picked a pack of pickled peckers. Indeed he did. And then he put his hand in a Bible and sang. I can't wait to find out what happened. Bill, thank you very much for the call. We're at 866-997-4748. Rhonda, before we hit the break, I got to tell you the uh, the interesting news here. Out of New Hampshire, Democratic voters overwhelmingly don't want Joe Biden to run for re-election. And according to a University of New Hampshire poll, they would consider voting for an alternative. If the election were held today, Biden would be very vulnerable to a more progressive primary challenger in New Hampshire. Biden finished in fifth place in 2020. That was his worst showing of any state. Now, two thirds of New Hampshire Democrats, two thirds don't want Joe Biden to run for a second term. And that's up five points. Uh, well, the White House is still well, planning who's on the running. alternative. Who's the alternative? <laughs> well, they 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 put him in a they put him in a hypothetical primary against Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And in that uh, he only got 18 percent of the primary vote. Only 18 wow. percent. And Bernie's still older than Biden. <laughs> He better be careful. No banana peels, no thin ice, nothing. He's, I mean, he to me, be it just shows like, you know, the guy got so much done. He's accomplished so much. But 
people are uncomfortable with the age. I'm I'm not. I I feel like he got so much done. Make a hundred year old guy the president. Let's see what let's see what a ninety year old can do. But um, this I think is one of the reasons why the DNC is having this vote on Joe Biden's proposal to revamp the calendar. They now want to move New Hampshire to be second, along with Nevada, on February fifth. And have other states go earlier. And I think it's because Joe Biden knows he wouldn't do that well in New Hampshire. Well, I feel like no matter who is going to be in that position, they can only accomplish so much. I mean, because the system exists and anything that is accomplished, to me, it's done by uh, sheer a uh, luck, <laughs> a fluke that that <laughs> that anything that actually helps Americans, that actually makes our lives reasonably better, that, that anything like that that gets done is it was not on purpose and just a byproduct of of trying to keep There's, the one percent on, happy. No, the, the infrastructure spending bill is incredible. I mean, they were able to get the lowest childhood poverty rate in the history of the country in 2021, which proves we can do it if we want. I mean, Obama, I didn't like Obamacare, but it led to the lowest uninsured rate in history. Like, I'll, I'll talk all day about how the two parties are too similar, but I mean, they're they're also light years different. I mean, these, this this party, I think the party itself, I, I don't trust, but there's a lot of individuals in the Democratic political establishment who I do believe are passionate about making life better for regular Americans. It's just our system is designed to make it really hard for good people to achieve anything in government. It's the system, baby. It's the system. <laughs> mm. We got to take a quick break. Rhonda, can you stay with us till the top of the hour? Absolutely. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. This is SiriusXM Progress. Former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson just told the BBC that uh, Vladimir Putin threatened to kill him with a missile. During a phone call they had before the Ukraine invasion, Johnson said, uh, he said, Boris, I don't want to hurt you, but with a missile, it would only take a minute or something like that. He's still supporting Zelensky and uh, the Kremlin has denied 
that Putin threatened Johnson. I'm just like, oh my God, can you imagine if Boris Johnson and Vladimir Putin were trying to kill each other? I wouldn't know who to root against. Rhonda <laughs> Handsome, it's so good to have you with us. I love being with you and your riffraff. <laughs> well, they're here. Before we go, I want to just play you a quick clip. This is Joe Biden earlier today talking about uh, the funding for major infrastructure projects along America's busiest travel corridor. This is not big government. This is good government actually giving you something for your taxes. Listen. 99% of the weekdays, there's been a delay here somewhere. Trust me, I know. This tunnel is nearly, as I said, 150 years old. This is a Civil War era. Ulysses S. Grant was president. The structure is deteriorating. The roof is leaking. The floor is sinking. This is the United States of America, for God's sake. We know better than that. We know we have to prove we're much better than that. Funding from the infrastructure law is fully, will fully replace this tunnel. And we're naming the new tunnel after Frederick Douglass, who boarded this train to freedom right here in Baltimore. All I'm saying is you're not going to see Trump getting angry and trying to open up tunnels and fix things and naming them after Frederick Douglass. There is a difference a bit between the two parties. And I, I've become very fond of angry old Joe Biden. I like he, the old one. He is he is old and and he sometimes even sounds angry. I, I like when he's bold. I like when he's bold. You know, when he went to Saudi Arabia, he was bold enough to say he wanted all the bone saws removed from the meeting room. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda, how can our listeners follow you and keep up with your doings? They can catch me on Facebook at Rhonda Handsome Comedy, on IG at Rhonda Full, that's with two L's, and on Twitter at Rhonda Handsome, like a handsome man without the D. You don't need it. I want to let everyone know the parents of Tyree it. Nichols have announced that they have accepted Joe Biden's invitation to attend the State of the Union address next week. This is SiriusXM. XM. 